Hey, and welcome to Dear Self, a podcast around Asian culture, self-exploration and growing up. Hosted by me, Charlotte Yao, founder of Moyhood, a skincare brand rooted in traditional Chinese medicine. In the podcast, I have the pleasure to be speaking to and spotlighting talented Asian voices of the moment. Today, I'm chatting with another Yao on the pod. It's the amazing Viv Yao, founder of Be Influence, an influence marketing and talent management agency. She's also a co-founder of Be Seen, a community organization that champions ESCA voices. This episode is a particular gem as we talk about our love for ABC soup, why we begged our parents to buy Baby Bell for our school packed lunches, and our mutual obsession for cozy games. Okay, well, I'll kick it off. It's always nice to meet another Yao. I'm just buzzing to get to know you and your journey because I think what you're doing is amazing. Oh, I'm so honoured. Well, I feel really honoured because I came across your brand from Instagram and, and I was like, oh my God, wait a second. Why have I never heard of this brand? Oh my gosh. And they've been backed by and endorsed by like Caroline um Oh, what's her name again? Caroline Hirons and Lisa Eldridge. And I was like, geez. So I went and bought the product and then I messaged you because then I saw you have founded the company. And I was like, she's a Yao as well. How have I not known about her this entire time? So I'm just really intrigued to hear about you as well, because uh, I really want to hear about your journey and everything that you do and I love this whole campaign around dear self as well I just love that so much and yeah so I'm very excited to be on your podcast I love that and how are how are you getting on with the Gucci are you enjoying yes, I it? love it I love it so much um I firstly love it because I love um kind of the texture I like those types I don't know what you call it but I, I, I look for those. I don't like cream-based cleansers. And then secondly, I love it because I love the name and I love the packaging as well. The whole story behind why it was created. There's just so many reasons why I'm so here for it. So yeah, I'm really enjoying the product. Yeah. I love that. I was going to say your skin is glowing. Your skin is. No, it's not. I, I sprayed before. I just like to say spray, but I want to get some tips from you because I can really see how glowy your skin looks. <laughs> Oh, like, thank you. What other things do you use? Are you allowed to talk about that? Or well, <laughs> offline, I'll tell you what we're working on, and I'll give okay. you an example. <gasps> but yeah, very exciting. Next year, don't you worry. There's something special coming out. But yeah, just for me, my skin doesn't. I've got quite sensitive skin, mm. and prone to like, I've got an oily T zone, and. Mm. Whenever I use any cream-based cleansers or even foam, it breaks me out or just makes my skin feel really dry sometimes. Yeah. And I guess like what I found with the foamy cleansers, it really strips my skin. So when we were creating the brief for Good Chi, I was writing like, really want a cleanser that nourishes my skin, that mm. is super gentle on my eye area. So like when I take mm. off my makeup, it doesn't sting my eyes because I wear contact lenses as well. It's a whole faff. Mm. and also something that again doesn't leave your skin feeling stripped because whenever my skin is like stripped it just produces more oil and then Mm. the whole vicious circle all of that but Mm. yeah I'm really glad it's always so nice to hear people's feedback on it and them enjoying yeah yeah it's amazing and like just so admirable that you started a skincare line I wouldn't even know where to start with that is that your background like did you start no, so no. skincare's always been my love since I was a kid. 
So when I was like eight, that's definitely when I was introduced to skincare because me and my family went on a holiday to Seoul and went to this ginseng skincare factory. And it was like Mm. an eye opener for me of like, well, you know, Korea's like light years ahead. They're really driving skincare innovation. And um, back then we went to this ginseng skincare manufacturer and they were talking us through this peeling gel that we were using. And from the get-go, I just loved the whole experience Mm. of it. And like, my mum's always been into skincare as well. And the whole ritual and the feeling of, especially cleansing, it's such a nice take off the day, take off the stress. So I've always been into it, but I think, well, like, I think you'd understand like Asian parents, they're like, what are you going to do with skincare? (laughs) Go get a job, you know, that pays the bill. So I always (laughs) fell into like, I've always been creative. I studied fashion communication and promotion at university, wanted to go into fashion PR, did for like a year, but hated it. Like it just wasn't for me. The vibe was off. So um, for me, I was just like, no, just went into marketing for tech startups. And then up until 2020, when we had COVID, everyone staying at home, there was so much anti-Asian hate. Like Mm. it made me really think and reflect inward of like, I neglected that part of my identity, Mm. being Chinese. I just wanted to fit in so much. So yeah, I totally neglected that part of me and wanted just to reconnect with that and cherish my Chinese identity and the culture and like traditions that my family celebrate. And in skincare, I guess like at that time during lockdown, loads of people loving like Jade Rollers, Gua all of that. But for me, like I just thought that's just scratching the surface here. And I didn't, I didn't like how TCM was translated in the skincare world. I just feel like the narrative was off um it didn't the history was just lost the history Mm. of it the education side of it was just wasn't mentioned and I thought there's really a space where there wasn't a brand a skincare brand that talks about TCM regardless so Mm. I was like it would be really cool if I could start something like this as like a Mm. passion project and from then on I'm just talking to people about like I've got this idea I want to create a skincare brand that's rooted in traditional Chinese medicine we talk Mm. about like herbology but also like what TCM really is and the values of traditional Chinese medicine and the different verticals whether that's acupuncture whether that's Mm. tai chi all of that sort of stuff that's not talked about um I want to do it and then from then I just that's how I met my formulator. That's how I met my manufacturer. And I thought, I'll keep this going. Like, this sounds... Wow. Yeah, so it was, It happened very organically. Yeah. But it's it rooted in um, an insight and a passion in your lived experience, isn't it? And, like, only good can come from that. I don't... Like, because the, the insight is so related to your own experience, how can it not... How can it not grow into something so wonderful? Do you know what I mean? And I, when I think it's so true, when I think about Chinese medicine and how I've seen it through, through my lens growing up in the UK or, and like going back to Hong Kong as well, you see these obviously these Chinese medicine shops that are run by older Chinese people perhaps. And like there's this idea of it being foreign and weird and like it's, it's, it's woo woo because it's not Western medicine when actually 
it's been practiced for years and years and even with and I resonate a lot with how you mentioned about growing up and wanted to assimilate I didn't realize how much of my Chinese-ness was kind of rooted in me with like you know the medicine that we used to take like I used to take paper go which is like that um like thick black sweet medicine which I still really like and like those like brown balls that um are really bitter and taste horrible but they work like they actually do work so yeah I think I think it's amazing the fact that it's kind of led into this passion project that or obviously it's more than a project it's a whole brand uh that you've created so yeah hats off to you for what you've done so far Thank you. I know I still have PTSD of like actually chewing La Bayun, you know, the the really bitter book. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the fear. Did you chew them? I just swallowed them. So when I, I couldn't swallow when I was a kid, I just oh. I really struggled. And I remember I just chewed yeah. it and I was like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> uh-oh, <laughs> we're in trouble. My dad, he, he's such a psycho. Um, That's obviously not true, but he's a really nice man. But um, he used to take the fish oil tablets you know the ones that you just get from like boots and he should chew them open and then like drink the actual fish oil because obviously it's in the capsule so you don't have to taste the fish oil but he chose to do it so he would just chew it open wow so weird that is hardcore did he like the taste was it like a I have no idea. I think he thought it was more beneficial for him. And then he also used to like make these raw potato smoothies as well, which I don't know. They they tasted horrible. I remember trying them, but he was like quite into his health and stuff and just trying out new things. Love that. (laughs) Just shot in some cod liver oil. Yeah. Can you imagine it just coats your mouth? Like so fishy, just so fishy and disgusting. That's so funny. Um, talking about childhood, I would love to know what your childhood was like. And have you, you're based in Manchester, aren't you? Yeah. Have you always been in Manchester? Pretty much. So I grew up in Warrington, which is about 30 minutes from Manchester. It's literally the town in between Liverpool and Manchester. So I grew up going to Chinatown and Manchester a lot. I've got a twin sister who is now a primary school teacher, an older sister who's two and a half years older. And we were so lucky to have our cousins and extended family around Warrington and the surrounding areas. So from quite a young age, we would every Saturday be dropped off at our aunties, our gumas, with all of our cousins. And we'd just be playing silly games, hide and seek and whatever, and just basically spending the whole evening there where our guma would cook us Chinese food, hakka Chinese food. And I don't know how she managed to afford it. I don't know whether my parents and like other aunts and uncles gave her money, but like she used to feed like eight or 10 of us at a time. Uh, and that was just normal growing up. And that's like a really happy memory that I kind of forgot about until recently when I messaged you saying I was playing on Mario Party on my on my Switch and um, it kind of like unlocked a core memory of doing that literally every single weekend and if we weren't doing that so my parents owned a takeaway called Emerald in Warrington and uh, we would be just upstairs in the takeaway as we got a little bit older on a Friday night just waiting for them to finish work mum would leave like chicken wings on the stairs for us to eat because <laughs> she was too busy to like bring it up to us because it was like I don't know whether you, you grew up in like a takeaway environment but I was a takeaway kid for sure yeah yeah. yeah. Um. So, and my mum, like, she's since said that she's she felt really guilty for doing that. Like, um, she didn't even have time to have dinner with us, and just not even like 
bring it upstairs to us. She would literally just leave it on the stairs for us like we were dogs or something. But I don't feel any, like, I really enjoyed that. Like, it was, like, one of the highlights of a weekend for us. So... I grew up very much kind of how I felt being Chinese is very much from the family. And then going to school, I guess that's when started to feel those feelings of wanting to be like my white friends and trying to deny my Chinese culture and not even think about it. It wasn't even like a conscious effort to just deny being Chinese. I just didn't even click that I was for a long time, embarrassingly long time. So there was always like kind of, without me even knowing, a disparity between the two. Like school, I felt a certain way, being at home felt a certain way. But then like there's certain instances that I look back on and remember now feeling quite othered or tokenized without even realizing it. I remember one Chinese New Year, I was in year two, so I would have been probably year two, like seven, six or seven. And they basically brought me and my sister into another class so that was really scary because they were like oh we want you guys to just talk about Chinese New Year and like I had no idea because I was six and I, I didn't know how to talk about the significance of like the red packets and what that meant and I remember just being like yeah so we get money given to us by people in these packets and that's it and then I just remember like all these faces just staring at us like and it was just so strange. And looking back, I don't think I would appreciate my child being put in that scenario anymore because then they just weren't, we weren't equipped to talk about that kind of stuff. And there was other instances too of just feeling, feeling like there were certain things that I shouldn't have done. Like a lot of my friends would bring in their packed lunches where it would be like ham sandwiches or something that I just really wanted. But instead I'd get really random mishmash of things because my my mum didn't understand the concept of lunchboxes like I don't think she quite got like what are the things that you're meant to put inside a lunchbox type of thing so yeah I, I think looking back I can clearly see how being in a kind of white dominated environment growing up uh, it's really shaped a lot of my earlier years and that like the only connection that I had to being Chinese when I was younger was my family essentially Totally. I feel the exact same, the exact same mm. to the point. I remember like, so we had lunch boxes as well. And I asked my mum whenever we did like the Tesco big shop, mum, you need to get me froobs. I didn't even like <laughs> froobs, but because everyone froobs. else is having froobs, I was like, I need froobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember saying that to my mum too about baby bells. Oh yeah, baby bells yeah. as well. I didn't like those, yeah. but I was like, I need to have them. Or dairy dunkers. <laughs> Anything dairy, yeah. I don't like, but I still was like, <laughs> I just need to have them. <laughs> I need to have them because my friends are, so please get me them. It was like cheese strings, dairy, and like, yeah, the crisp choices were so odd. Like, I, I feel, I, I look back now with a lot of like, like my mum was trying her best and I used to feel so embarrassed about that. Same. But I feel now, honestly, like, my heart is like, I, I, I squeam at myself because I'm like, oh, the mm. six-year-old Char was such a bitch to her dad. But now as an adult, you appreciate them so much because they were trying their best, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's weird, isn't it, how that changes? And I, I, I've made more of an intentional effort. My dad passed away four years ago, so if I talk about him in the past tense, that's why. But with my mum, I make such an effort to hear about her upbringing like our fam family lineage like I I try so hard just to make 
sure she knows that I appreciate what they did for us back then because I don't know I think you know with my dad passing I never got to have those conversations with him and how like I'm so much more connected to my heritage now yeah it's a bit of a shame really because I think when when my sisters when we were growing up they used to say that I was like the Gwaymui of the family I was the English girl of the family because I didn't care to speak Cantonese I just was so disconnected and now doing B-Scene and I really try to speak to my mum as much as I can in just Cantonese she's like always so surprised she's like Lam Lam I didn't expect you to be this way at all like, call me Lam Lam that's my Chinese name and like because yeah growing up I was just the the Gwaymui basically yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about your dad, but I feel like he would Thank be you. so proud of who you are now and <laughs> what you're doing because it's amazing. For <laughs> oh, sure. thank you. Um, talking about food, I'm a big foodie. I guess we're both takeaway kids. I feel like food is a love language that we've been raised up on. What food um, or meal would you say holds a fond memory or what was your favourite thing mm. to eat when you were a kid? Oh, I love this question. Anything from a takeaway perspective, anything fried. I just, I love just deep fried food so much. And I've got an air fryer now, which I, I talk about a lot as well. But it, whilst it's good, it's obviously like a healthy option. It's just doesn't beat deep fat frying in the slightest um so i love like chicken wings chips chicken chicken wings and chips dipped in curry sauce gravy mm. anything i think that is deep fried <laughs> i have a place in my heart for i also loved i don't know what it's called but it's like this like tofu puffs with uh like chicken and it's like marinated and chicken yeah. and the tofu puffs soak in all the the juices so good uh, that's one of my favorite textures is like the tofu puffs that have been marinated in something and it's like soaks things in like sauces and stuff i know uh, what, what you're talking about though because they they've just got so much flavor when you bite into it yeah it's like a tofu potato chicken thing and so i would have anything with tofu in of that variety tofu puff soaked in kind of like some kind of sauce and i'm just trying to think about what else i loved growing up i mean i still love all the same things now to be honest like eating noodles like have instant noodles at least once a week i need to have rice otherwise i just don't feel like i've had a meal yeah it's really hard to i think my answer changes all the time depending on how I feel like at the moment I'm really craving like warm comforting food and like less so salads because it's so cold outside but I remember when growing up as well we also had for a time a Chinese woman my my we called her my auntie pupil which makes no sense so she was our auntie grandma <laughs> so she was just a family friend but my mom and dad obviously made us call her auntie but we regarded her as a grandma even though she was only like in her mid-40s at the time when she was looking after us. So she cooked amazing Malaysian food for us. And being from such a young age, I think if we were like three or four, she would make like really spicy things for us. And that's what me and my sisters, we all love spice, even though we don't have family lineage that like, you know, Cantonese is not kind of like traditionally yeah. spicy cooking. But like we all love spice because of my auntie papa growing up. And she used to make us this like spicy green beans, lat dao gok thing. And that's one of my favorite things to still eat now but like, i can't replicate how she made it but yeah that's probably like going back to really all early core memory for me now do you like cooking for yourself yeah uh, yes but i'm very hit and miss what about what about yourself 
similar to what you were saying earlier about I'm in a really cozy like mm. I want warm comforting foods so mm. I'm boiling ABC tong at the moment <gasps> oh my god that's one of my favorites too is it okay yeah. so I honestly I just can't get enough of soups at the moment yeah a good old bone broth to warm mm, you up that's why yeah. your skin's so good is that the secret <laughs> girl it actually is honestly I have I tried to make um at least some sort of like chicken bone broth a week yeah. and then yeah. it's also good for your gut and yeah. my gut is a mess at the moment so I'm trying mm. to like fix that yeah. but yeah ABC tong I can't wait tonight so how do you make it then what's your process to making it so I roast off chicken wings not many people do nice. this right? right but I roast it off because I feel like it gives it extra flavor so I roast those off for like 20 minutes and then have a big pot boiling water put in carrots Mm-hmm. I put in this time whatever was in my fridge to be fair so I've got carrots onion celery I've put in sweet corn as well but it's like corn on the cob yeah and then tomatoes yeah and then later because I can't be bothered and I've only got tinned peeled potatoes I'll just put them in but that's about it really and I'll just let that boil for like all day I'm literally messaging my boyfriend right now saying can you buy corn on the cob <laughs> carrots potatoes and because he's going to the shop and chicken please yeah all right okay because I, I need it now I need and now that you said that I need it in my life so bad so I, I need to message it yeah. he's gonna be like why what the hell because he's, yeah. he's gonna be cooking dinner but um I need to make it now because that's my favorite soup my favorite soup by far like is ABC soup it's so good I haven't had it in ages as well so I was like I yeah. need something that's good for the soul do you just like keep it on a really low heat then? I just put it on like really low heat. It, it's not yeah. boiling, it's just simmering. Right, because I've made it once before. It turned out okay. It just wasn't anything like my my gumas or my mums or anyone that's made it from before. So just need to do it again, I think. Yeah, do it again. <laughs> I will send you my recipe so you can <laughs> read it. Um, <laughs> and so have we- you always been good at Chinese cooking then or is this now that I'm a bit older I really appreciate the food that my dad cooks and I think because his hobbies cooking I want to do stuff that can bring us together a bit more Mm. so like learning how to cook together whenever I go back home whatever he's cooking I'm like oh how much are you putting in what's this what's that so yeah Asian style cooking is definitely what I do in our household and then my boyfriend he does like the roasts all of that but yeah yeah like you know like things like roast so I didn't have them growing up but I love a Sunday roast but because my mom and dad didn't cook it growing up I used to ask them to buy like the ready meal versions which were really shit but I love them you know like even like the silvery beef and it you know the pale carrots like it was really bad quality but like there is a space in my heart for like ready meal roasts because I always wanted it growing up but my parents just didn't, didn't know how to make it Oh, like, I've never had a ready meal roast. Don't do it. Yes. <laughs> you can definitely do better than that. Just get your boyfriend to cook it. Yeah, I'll just, <laughs> I think I've got a sweet gig right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, did you have, uh, like, during Christmas time, would you have, like, a traditional Christmas dinner, like a Western Christmas dinner, roast potatoes and stuff? Or When my mom and dad were working at the takeaway, they didn't really mm. have much time to spend family time with us because they needed you know, to pay the bills and all of that. So growing up, me and my older brother, I've just got one older brother, we would be looked after by my nanny. And she's not 
blood related but she just knows us from birth and she's mm. a lovely white woman who just mm. looks after us so well christmas time we'd spend it with her just because as a kid we spent like every day with her so we we're just like oh yeah. like you're my nan of course yeah we would have roast it was just like good hearty food but it would be like a split so like maybe christmas day we'll have a roast and then boxing day probably have a hot pot of some sort oh that's so lovely so your nan with that then did you have a relationship with your grandparents like were they still in china hong kong or yeah my dad's mom passed away when he was young but who i know is paw paw i guess like mm. his stepmom right we did meet her and i lived out in hong kong when i was very little when i was like mm. six months for a year so like we knew them I guess because they lived in Hong Kong, we lived in the UK. We didn't see him often. Um, yeah. And then with my mom's side of the family, her mom passed away when she was really young. So I never met her, but I met my Gong Gong. But um, mm. again, we weren't really that close. Mm. So the only grandparents I really had was my white nanny and my white granddad. Yeah. So it was like a real strong connection with them versus my Chinese grandparents. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I I definitely feel like for so many people of our generation, a disconnect with our grandparents who who might, yeah, they might have passed away, but also they live in a different country. uh, Because I certainly felt that growing up where like, I really struggled to speak with both sides of my, I only met my, my dad's mum also passed away. So I didn't actually get to meet her at all. I think she passed away the year that I was born actually. And then there was just always like a language and cultural barrier as well. And like we, we did spend some time with them together like we'd go on holiday together they'd come over to the UK but again it was very much like they cook us food we eat it very transactional type of relationship I think the closest that I felt to any kind of like warmth I guess to my grandparents is is my mum's dad I think I would say he was very kind of funny like loving granddad in a way like likes to make jokes but he was also he was also deaf so he couldn't hear that much so mm-hmm. and same with my dad's dad he was also deaf too so like there was cultural barrier distance barrier they couldn't hear us so like it was like a massive struggle to just have a conversation with them yeah it's really interesting and then my dad's dad also wasn't a great man like did a lot of really not nice things to his wife my dad's mum and yeah doesn't have a great reputation really so then I learned this as I got older as well so it's just yeah super interesting seeing how the kind of generations pan out I guess and just learning more about them has informed me more about how I feel about yeah I don't know what we take from that what we learn from our grandparents totally totally I think with what I found really hard to adapt to is because my my white nanny she's she gave us so much love there's like so much affection got that I didn't get from my mum or my dad because I guess they've never really had affection in their life and I think there is maybe it's in Chinese culture or maybe it's just I guess like different upbringings but the word I love you was Mm -hmm. a real big obstacle Mm -hmm. showing affection wasn't a normal thing or like a Mm -hmm. an easy thing that my mum and dad shown but we've learned to improve it and like we love each other like we love each other very much and it's like over the past few years of me growing up and I guess I'm quite a sensitive soul and I like talking about my feelings so like let's just (laughs) foster a space where we can talk about it and it's like (laughs) a safe space where we can do I feel like that was the first introduction to talking about 
this sort of stuff soft feeling soft mm. soft skills all of that to my mom and dad and yeah, yeah it, it's always been hard because I feel like I'm able to warm up to my nan because she was so welcoming of just like talk me through why you're angry Char or like come here like give mm. me a kiss all of that whereas mm. I think that felt a bit alien towards my mom and dad that sort yeah. of parenting yeah that isn't that amazing though how I guess through your influence and I'm assuming your your older brother's influence as well how you're all managing to unlearn those behaviors like the fact that your dad now says I love you when you didn't have that growing up like he's on his own journey in terms of unlearning things and 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 growing together and I think that's really beautiful because my mum is the same as well even now when she says I love you I find it strange because it's not something that we grew up with. And when she gives me a hug, I'm, I also find it strange. But she has learned that we need that to yeah. show that we are loved. And so I shouldn't find it strange because I wanted it. But at the same time, I almost like rejected it for a while. I was like, ah, why are you saying I love you? This is weird. Right. And like a hug from my dad would be like, why is this awkward? Why does this feel forced? Are you a huggy person now? I wasn't before, but now I'm. I definitely love a hug. Do you? So so even with like friends and stuff, would you initiate a hug or? No, I feel like my friends are more huggers. So yeah. um, I have a friend who loves hugging and like it's just very affectionate. And like, I love that for her. In the past few years, I don't know, there is definitely a softer side to me now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a hugger. I am not a hugger. And I think this stems from my parents not hugging us when we were younger. But like, but when it does happen, like I have my friend, a friend too, who when we, we live in the same building, but when we see each other in passing through the hallway in our apartment complex, she'll just hug me probably about three times in that one conversation. <laughs> But it's so inviting and it's so warm and it's like so genuine as well. But like, I can't help, but I love it. I love it so much, but I would never initiate that myself with anyone. Well, me too. Me yeah. too. But I'm like learning baby steps to just embrace it. It's like, you know, when you have a warm, welcoming hug, it's just, mm. it hits different. It really so. does. What about your love languages then? Like, do you Have you ever done the love language test before? Yeah, mine's acts of service. Yeah. What is yours? Mine is acts of service as well. And my my boyfriend's is quality time, but followed by acts of service as well. And what's really low for both of us is words of affirmation. And phys- for me, physical touch is really low on the list. Like I just don't particularly, I, I like cuddling and stuff, but I don't need it to show my affection as yeah. much. But yeah, 100%. And I think I would love to see if there's a study of Asian children growing up and their love language, because so many people that I've spoken with who are Asian, their love language is acts of service because of how we were raised as kids. It must be. I would love to see a study and look at the stats. That would be fascinating. I think it can change though. I think it can definitely like fluctuate depending on like how you're feeling as well. Definitely. Moving on to another thing I wanted to dive into is your work that you do for Be Seen and also your founder of Be Influence. I won't talk about because I feel like you could do such a better job, but I would love to know how you got there, what your journey looked like to create an agency like that. It can feel like there is just not that much representation and it's Mm -hmm. harder to find that. And Mm -hmm. the priority for increasing more diverse influencers, content creators, 
just hasn't been up there. So what you're doing is amazing and would love to know what made you start it. Oh, thank you. That's really nice to hear as well. With, I guess, you know, when it comes to moyhood, because your intention very much from the very beginning has been about like your story and like underrepresentation within the skincare space, it obviously lends itself so well to working with diverse creators. Um, whereas when you see big brands like Essay Lauder, L'Oreal, all those big groups where they have attempted in the past or they try to do better for representation and they have more people of color or people from diverse groups in their marketing campaigns it it almost feels tokenistic because if you look behind the scenes and you very much unpack that that isn't the case with like their leadership teams or internally how their their teams look or their DE&I practices or whatever it might be and like that's that's where I think so many brands get it wrong is that they haven't set that purpose from the beginning and I think so with Be Influence it all came about I used to work in talent management at an agency called Gleam so they actually used to manage Caroline Hirons as well and I used to manage a lot of kind of bigger YouTubers back then and this is only kind of me looking back now I was placed in a team with where I was managing influencers who were predominantly all white and they were all doing amazing things but I didn't know until now looking back in retrospect that I was missing something and that was because I couldn't connect with them in that same way it was really difficult for me to almost find common ground and there were some instances where I was completely tokenized I remember them talking about how there was a work trip that was coming up in China and how I should go because I'm Chinese but I don't speak Mandarin like Mm. I would be able to say hi how are you my name is Viv and that's about it probably (laughs) so (laughs) I'll be fucking useless if I went like to accompany someone to go to China and like people like beauty influencers going up to me saying just like saying really weird things like oh your skin tone's yellow isn't it like no like it's it's really yellow based like like look at your skin. it's yellow it's yellow like really hammering home the point that my skin is yellow and because they like they're like a beauty expert in the space it was almost like an excuse to point out my yellowness to them and yeah there was so many things that happened in my old job which just really put me off working with influencers because that's all I really knew and I went to that job I specifically left Manchester to move to London to work at this this job I mean I don't know why I'm high it's Gleam Futures like you can look it up it says it on my LinkedIn I'm not going to hide the fact that who it was but I was so excited to work there and then I look back and I'm like oh <laughs> that's how they treat people of colour so I hated hated talent management I hated working with creators because of my experience there both with influencers and also internally as well and then coming out of that I basically completely by chance through networking met my now investor and we we started what is be influenced today and quite honestly we didn't start it with the intention of it being a diverse a kind of representation across the board it's something that we it grew into that the more I started learning about myself, learning about underrepresented groups and just finding out about my own identity. I started to think more about like, oh, how come I didn't actually get promoted back then? Oh, why is it that there's no Chinese people within these campaigns? And just asking more questions and being like quite curious. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, I've got all the power to actually do something about this. And luckily, one of our biggest clients now, Vistaprint, and we started implementing this into 
the campaign. So just like really thinking about how we report back on diversity and what that looks like. And they've really come on a journey with, with us. And that was probably around 2019. And every single year, the work has just got better. And it's something that we has just, it's just grown into almost something that we are known for, even though I don't want necessarily that to be the case. I don't want to be known as an influencer agency who only cares about inclusivity because every single agency, every single brand should be caring about this anyway, but we've almost like created this niche for ourselves. So it's been a bit of a journey from that perspective and it's only enriched what what I do. It's given us such a purpose. It I don't really care that much about the influencer space, but I care about underrepresented groups. And I think that's where it feeds into what we do in a sense. And I know it sounds really bad running an influencer marketing agency, but I'm not saying I don't care about influencer marketing, but I care about how people are treated within that process a lot more than I do the, do you know what I mean? Like of the course, industry that's like as a the whole. bigger picture. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the... Yeah. That's the driving force of why you've created mm-hmm. this and mm-hmm. the bigger, I guess, the reason why it exists as a whole. I'm glad this isn't like an influencer marketing podcast because they'd be like, oh, you don't care. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been, a, it's been a really good journey so far. And like, I think I started out with the intention of us being a Manchester-based agency working with Manchester clients. And we outgrew that so quickly without me even, without it really, it was so unintentional. Like we work with Greenpeace, we work with Disney, we work with Hip Organics, so many global brands that we've managed to tick off our list. So yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey and I'm, I'm very grateful to, to be on it, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Disney, insane, insane names. Cool. Okay. And being a founder, a co-founder and a podcaster, it's a lot. (laughs) And I can imagine it takes up a lot of headspace and energy. I would love to know how you manage your time to make sure that you refill your cup and that Mm -hmm. you look after yourself. So essentially, tell me what self-care looks like Mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, I love this question so much. I feel like we so often ascribe ourselves to our job functions but actually I think what gives me a lot of joy is actually when I'm not working but so I get up at 4am every day shut the fuck up no I don't I just wanted to see your reaction I was like go what (laughs) did not do that I have never once done that unless I've had to get up to go to the airport, but I've never once done that in my working career and I don't plan to at all. (laughs) So I definitely don't do that. (laughs) Uh, I probably sleep in till around eight, half eight most days, uh, unless I have to be somewhere because I work from home and the office is like literally 10 minutes away. So um, yeah, it's very much like something I was very, very intentional about when we first started being influence. I have worked in agencies before and jobs where you work till seven, gone seven, and that's just normal. And I hated it. And I was like, what the heck? Why is this normal? Um, And so it was something that I very very early on said I don't want to ever work in that type of environment so like work-life balance to me is super 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 key even though running an agency and doing other things is fulfills me in a lot of ways I don't I love to completely switch off as well so 
recently i've been as i've mentioned i've been gaming a lot so my boyfriend recently bought me a switch and i completely forgot about this side of myself where i absolutely love gaming because i i think i thought of gaming as just like card and like shooting games and like really violent violent games but i've discovered this like cozy side of um gaming where i play disney um i don't know whether have you got a switch I've got so, a switch and I'm obsessed with Animal Crossing. That is Animal my, Crossing. <gasps> yeah. That's my if, outlet of just yeah. de-stress. And like I said, mm. there is something so comforting of playing mm-hmm. uh, games as an adult. It is yeah. cozy games. Yeah. There is such a validity in that. And if you love Animal Crossing, then you'll absolutely love uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley. It has all the Dis- all the Disney characters in it. And you can basically, um, you have this, you're the you're the ruler of this village kind of thing. And you have to basically find all the different Disney characters and you have to bring them back to this village that you, you have to help clean up so you can harvest food, you can do different quests. It's so good. It's like Animal Crossing, but it's with Disney. I it's love that. It's so much better. I've just written it down. I'm going to get it. Yeah, it's, it's really good. So I've been doing that a lot. And then I think with... Obviously, the work that we do at Be Seen, it requires us over the month of September to, during EC Heritage Month, to be very available to go to different events. We put on our own events and the month leading up to that, there's a lot of work. So I knew that when it came to like October, November time, I really wanted to be very intentional with how I spend my time. So I've just been saying no to most social occasions as much as I can. I just don't want to do anything that I I just don't want to do basically unless you're paying me or it's something that I enjoy doing or I want yeah I want to go and do it then I'll do it but if it's like something that doesn't interest me I just I'm saying no so (laughs) I've just been spending a lot of time with my family like seeing my mum as much as I can seeing my sisters and just going around to their house and just regressing into a child and having them cook me food and look after me just trying to just do not that much like have completely free weekends not doing that much basically yeah you i mean very aligned with what you just said just try to not be an adult sometimes (laughs) is the best thing i love dancing like i love dancing um i used to dance in the theater i used to do ballet and i forgot how much i loved it so that and just going on really long walks even if it's raining, I just love going on long walks. I'm just Do you? Yeah. When it's raining. Oh my god, you can't get me out of the house for anything if it's raining. <laughs> I can't I hate the rain. Yeah, I don't know. Something about it. Yeah. Being alone with like Being alone in the rain. Okay, actually Mate, you gotta get yeah, murdered. Okay, <laughs> in London, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, but normally when it's not as dark obviously now yeah. it gets dark at like 3 p.m but in yeah. the summer it was very nice that's true yeah, like yeah. after work like get away from your screen mm-hmm. i would have just put like podcast in or like mm-hmm. been loving just sound baths just oh yes yeah and i'll just walk for like an hour or two and come back really fresh um yeah. and other than that, just like cooking again, spending time with family, mm-hmm. and so I've gotten a kitten recently. Um, oh. Yeah, I would get him, but he's he's eating his food. But I'm obsessed. I've I, mm. I was never a pet person, but I'm mm. obsessed. He's called Bao. Um, oh, like a cute little Bao. Yeah, just being a cat mom now, fucking love it. Great. That is so adorable. It's three. So adorable. It's like free therapy. Sometimes I'm just yeah. like, just want to cuddle, just want to 
you know it's amazing and i i think about the people over lockdown who um have felt less lonely because they've had some affection from their pets like their dogs or cats or whatever rabbits whatever you've got like i think pets can provide so much affirmation to your life yeah i wanted to call you know i when i get a pet when i'm older <laughs> when i'm an adult I, I wanted to call my um like probably a dog bow as well like see along bow like what's gonna yeah. be his full name it is a beautiful name to it, it. yeah i will I will. So with your dance then, is that like, do you go to class or do you just dance at home or? So just at home, like I just put on Discover Weekly. Yeah, just dancing in my kitchen. That's great. Um, I have a very, very embarrassing story about me going to Pineapple Dance Studio. So when I lived in London, so I used to do dance and I thought I was all right. I did it to GTSE level. I used to do musical theatre, but that was 15 years ago, I realised. And <laughs> that's a long time to not do dance for, isn't it? And I remember when, <laughs> when I went to, when I lived in London, so I was in my late, mid to late 20s. I was like, right, I'm going to get back into dance again. I'll go to Pineapple Dance Studio, book myself a hip hop class, yeah. thinking, yeah it's not that different to street like yeah. you know contemporary it's, it's a bit of a mixture in there and it said in the thing for all levels so I was like okay so there'll be a mixture of beginners and there'll be also, also a mixture of like more experienced intermediate, yeah. intermediate. Yeah. turned up and it was all fucking professional dancers and we had to learn this like eight bar routine and we had to obviously you know that you do the whole performing thing at the end I could not for the life of me retain the choreography and it was just honestly like so much embarrassment like I'm just thinking about it now I get secondhand embarrassment about myself um and that's put that put me off for like another few years because I was like fuck I've lost it now it's, it's gone I can't retain choreography anymore well just we re- can do it together let's book in a class together and we'll be like I can't embarrass myself you're obviously a professional dancer I can't I'm not a professional it. dancer at all I'm just like flailing about <laughs> It's, I can't do it and then I did it again recently and this was a it was actually a way better experience that was actually for adult beginners and I still struggled in that in some instances but I was with people who ha- either hadn't danced before or just really enjoyed dancing so I was a bit uh, at least I was a little bit more like experienced I was like the best out of a bad bunch yeah. but it was still really embarrassing I'm oh, sure no, you were not. great I watched myself. It was bad. I was just like, I had an out of body experience when I was like, what am I doing? This is so embarrassing. <laughs> I love it. Love it. It's an experience. Like, live to tell the tale. It's, it's great. It's a funny, it's a funny story. It, it, at least it's a funny story. Yeah, I've got loads of those about myself if you want any more. No, I love it. Oh, <laughs> it's been great chatting to you. And oh, you it's too. been the best, the best guest, honestly. And I've loved getting to know you and your story and your upbringing yeah you've been great thank you so much oh no thank you and thank you so much for responding to my dm originally it's really nice to just chat and just hearing like the commonalities and the differences that we have it's like it's really validating so yeah thank you for having me